Welcome to the week that was your definitive source for political news where we delve into the headlines, dissect the debates and analyze the events that have shaped the past seven days. Uh, joining me now to talk a little bit about the week that was is Keith Baldry, Global BC's Legislative Bureau Chief. Hello, Keith. Happy Friday, Jazz. Happy Friday. Lots to talk about. Uh, let's touch on uh, the housing issue first and foremost. Prime Minister Trudeau uh, was in town today uh, announcing $115 million that he says will go towards fast-tracking over uh, 3,200 new housing units. And over 10 years, it will lead to 40,000 homes uh, being built across um, the city. Uh, now, what's interesting here is this is almost a city-by-city city agreements that they're looking for. Of course, the you know we expect more announcements in Surrey and in Burnaby as well. On top of what Ravi Kailon, the housing minister here provincially announced, and some municipalities have been announcing as well, what do you make of all this, all these housing announcements? I mean, part of me is worried that they're all a bit disjointed, that there isn't that cohesion. Your thoughts on all this? Well, I think it's the rollout of a program that's been long uh, anticipated. And keep in mind, the Liberals, the Federal Liberals, are uh, getting ever near to either political extinction or a miracle recovery. And I'm talking about the next election. So they've got to start doing things, and that means spending money. Uh, so this is part of a $4 billion housing expenditure fund right across the country. Uh, and BC's share for this is, now it, it may sound like a lot, you know, 40,000 homes over the next decade. The problem is we need about, according to the BC Real Estate Association, because of high immigration levels, we need 43 housing housing units a year, uh, more than 215,000 units over a five-year period. So the provinces are expecting even more from this, from from the federal government. I think there's, so it's going to be... I'm curious, to, I haven't talked to him yet, whether Ravi Kalan, who was at the Trudeau announcement today and spoke as well, whether he had a private discussion with the Prime Minister saying, this is nice, but it's just the start, we need more. And the provinces have really been increasingly leaning on the feds to start providing more money to fund the infrastructure requirements that come with high levels of immigration. Uh, it's not just housing, it's other forms of infrastructure as well, but housing is first and foremost the priority in a place like British Columbia where housing shortage is so acute and the population uh, is increasing. We're, we're going to increase our population a minimal of 220,000 people over the next couple of years and those people have to have a place to live and that's why the fed announcement is nice but i think the provinces are going to say that's not enough mm-hmm. now one of the pe- other people at the announcement of course was vancouver mayor ken sim who um, announced earlier that uh, he would like to see the park board gone the electric park electric uh, elected park board gone. There you go. Definitely not an electric. Yeah, yeah. Ele- park elected board, park board gone. And um, now Premier Eby had some comments on this uh, the other day. Uh, he was talking about um, a potential pre- transition plan. Let's take a listen. We understand and we expect uh, that the city will be putting together a transition plan uh, so that we can understand how they anticipate dealing with the Indigenous engagement issues, the future of the staff, the future of the facilities. Uh, They uh, uh, took the first step yesterday, but there are many steps yet to go. And uh, we'll be looking to them for that transition plan. What do you make of this? Is is David Eby heading into an election year uh, getting cold feet, or do you think this will move forward? I mean, as, as Ken Sim just sort of handed him a mess that he doesn't need right about now? Well, it's not cold feet because it's not. It wasn't his initiative. It was it's Ken Sims. Mm. But um, no, I read into that. The key phrase there were many steps, 
consulting with First Nations is an important step. It was interesting, um, a councillor tried to move a motion at that Parks Board meeting, uh, or the City Council meeting, to send this issue out for consultation with First Nations, and ABC uh, majority, from what I told, said no, it's a, it's a frivolous motion. Well, the reality is with UNDRIP now, the United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous People, part of the fabric, legally uh, and in terms of regulations, you have to consult with First Nations on pretty well everything these days. Um, and they're going to have to consult with, with the impact of First Nations uh, in this situation. That could be a lengthy process. And I've run this by some key people in government, and they don't disagree with the notion that we're talking about if the government were to do anything on this, because it does require Victoria, the provincial government, to amend the Vancouver Charter in the legislature with some amendments that would remove the reference to the Vancouver Parks Board. That's the only way this can be done. It can't be done by Ken Sim and his council. But for, to expect the NDP government to do that at a time when they're heading into an election year, 2024 is going to be an election in, in October, if not earlier, uh, and create a fight in Vancouver potentially with some increasingly organized pro-Parks Board, ex-Parks Board commissioners, uh, where a place where NDP owns pretty well all but two seats is, I think, an unlikely scenario to develop. I just don't see them going there in an election year. If there is going to be an abolishing of the Parks Board, I suspect it will simply be able to lapse out of existence after the current term of the councillors expire. But certainly I'd be very surprised if there's legislation in front of the House this spring. That consultation process has to be a lengthy one. And drafting legislation has been a challenge in this government. That's why a lot of bills were late this year. Uh, they've got their hands full with drafting their own legislation, let alone something thrust upon them potentially by Vancouver Council. So does that not irk Ken Sim, who they have a very good relationship with, with and would not want to keep it that way? He'd like to see it gone sooner rather than later. Uh, does that not cause trouble with uh, Mayor Sim and his desires? Well, I think some of this has sort of kind of gone a little sideways for Mayor Sim. I, I don't think he anticipated the pushback. And what appears to be a very organized effort by more than by about two dozen ex-Parks Board commissioners that uh, are sprinkled along all the municipal parties. It's become a, a controversy, and perhaps one cabinet minister mentioned it to me, he says, maybe this is an out for Ken Sim, that this, this tr- transition plan and consultation phase is going to take some time, and maybe that's going to lower the temperature here. But you're right, they, they, they value their, their relationship. The NDP government values their relationship with uh, City Mayor Ken Sim. He's a, a validator of their housing policy. He shows up at government announcements as a, as a so-called validator. A much better relationship exists between this NDP government and Ken Sim than ever existed between his predecessor, Kennedy Stewart, mm-hmm. and this government, which really did not have a good relationship at all. And they want to keep it that way. I'm not sure this is the hill to die on for Ken Sim, though. I think there's other issues more pressing to him. He's more interested. At the end of the day, uh, more housing for Vancouver is a bigger issue than getting rid of the Vancouver Parks Board and other things that Vancouver needs, whether it's public safety mm-hmm. or housing. Those have got to be the top-of-mind issues for Ken Sim and his councillors, rather than picking what really is a needless fight with over the existence of, of a board that doesn't have a good reputation, doesn't have a lot of support, nevertheless can present a bit of a political problem for those who want to get rid of it. Now, one final question before we go to break and, and open the lines for calls, and that is um, the BC Conservatives and BC United. Um, John Rustad, BC Conservative leader, waded into the way he you know, started commenting on the park board issue and, and leaving it alone because it is elected officials. Uh, but there's been much chatter about potentially BC Cons and BC United uh, uniting, or at least talks of them uniting. Have you heard anything in regards to any p- potential talk about uh, merging those two parties before the election? 
No, Russ Stad and uh, Bandman and Kevin Falcon all said, yeah, we could always talk. But no one, no meetings have been scheduled that I know of. And again, there's a couple big, big obstacles here. One is egos. Obviously, it's politics, so egos are always involved. So if there is a merger, who's going to be the leader? Is John Rostad actually going to step aside when he's ahead in the polls in favor of Kevin Falcon? Or is Falcon going to do that for a guy he kicked out of caucus? That seems very unlikely. Um, and then uh, John Rostad has made the point that, uh, sure, a merger, but along their lines, in their playing field. And he's talking about anti-SOGI issues, um, attacking the, uh, some of the vaccine measures, doctor, calling for Dr. Bonnie Henry to be fired. Those are positions not shared remotely by the, BC, by the BC United Party. So I can't see the BC United giving up all their principles to go take a real hard right turn under John Rustad, and I can't see Rustad abandoning his positions to take a more centrist right move to go to BC United. So I'd be very surprised if these guys get together. My guest is Keith Baldry. Let's go to the open lines. Let's go to Steve in Coquitlam. Hi, Steve. Uh, yeah, hi. I was just calling in regards. All this building that they're going to be putting up, is this for people that can't afford it in BC at the moment, or is it going to be for people that are immigrating to BC? Uh, Keith, you want to answer that? I would. I think all of the above would be, would be the answer, right? I would think. Yeah, I would think um, all of the above. I mean, it's not social housing, but uh, all the housing is being built. There is going to be a, a continued component of social housing, but there really has to be new homes, um, condos, uh, townhomes. Not building single-family detached dwellings anymore, or at least very few of them. These are basically apartment units, condos, stratas, and such to accommodate. Uh, the thousands of people that are moving to B.C. on an annual basis. The federal government has really increased the immigration levels. Trudeau talked about it today. I'll have a report on the news hour tonight on Global about this. About It is sort of balancing the need to attract more skilled workers. We're still not getting enough skilled workers on identifiable um, shortages, uh, along with uh, making sure that infrastructure is there to, to meet the increased demand. So it's a, it's a looming problem that's really mushroomed in size the last couple of years, and it's going to get bigger for the next at least five years. So it's all types of housing. Yeah, I always find it interesting, Keith, that out of all the sort of G7 nations, we're probably the one that is so aggressive on immigration compared to, let's say, the United States and many other nations. Australia uh, just and, cut theirs in half. Yeah, yeah. And look at look at uh, the Netherlands and a right-wing government getting elected in a very liberal area, of a very liberal part of the world. And a lot of that conversation was based on the immigration levels and the impact it's having on that country, not just housing, but on culture as well. So, you know, we're not immune to what we're seeing in other parts of the world as well. I think it's a legitimate one. I and mean, if you can invite that many people... You better have the housing for it, that's for sure. Let's go to uh, Deb in Victoria. Hi, Deb. Hey, how are you doing, Jazz? I'm doing well. What's your question for the day? Oh, well, you know what? I just have to say that I just do not see the uh, BC Conservatives and the BC United amalgamating because they have completely different morals, principles, and values. Mm. And, you know, if, you know, if it's just a, a, a power grab, I would not want to see the Conservatives amalgamate with the BC Liberals. Mm-hmm. It's just that simple. Well, it, it, and, and you, uh, your views, uh, I, I completely respect. The one thing, Keith, at the end of the day is that if that coalition of Conservatives and Federal Liberals when they're together, they generally rule this province two-thirds of the time prior to 2017. But if that, uh, that, that, that merger or that coalition ever falls apart, it takes a while to put it back together again. 
It, it, it can take a while, and particularly in opposition, because um, it's just, again, people have to put aside their differences to come together against a party which they have greater differences. So, But again, I think we've hit a point where the Conservatives now have the edge in that that Liberal Conservative coalition, mm-hmm. at least in the public opinion polls, and they seem to have the momentum. So it's like, well, the Liberals have to come to us. But given that the Conservatives, like Rustad and Bandman, just will not abandon those policies that are just so uh, out of step with so many liberals, the chances of this merger, I think, are, are between nil and zero. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It's going to be very interesting. It's, uh, you know, you can always sort of watch the ebb and flow of BC politics, but this is a very interesting period. And I think you've sort of uh, compared it to the early 1990s. And I think we we may be replaying that um, again, but certainly it'll make for a very interesting 2024, that's for sure. Uh, Keith, we've run out of time. Thank you so much. Have yourself a wonderful weekend. You too, everyone. 911.